This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 180,000 titles for smartphone, tablet, and desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice and help Trek FM at the same time, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by Enterprise in Space, an international program for the nonprofit National Space Society. Find out how you can help science and education and become a virtual crew member aboard the NSS Enterprise Orbiter by visiting enterpriseinspace.org. Want to join the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field. We look forward to seeing you there. This is George Decay. You're listening to Standard Orbit on Trek FM. If you're not listening, you're missing out. Oh my. You're a rainy day. I can't change the laws of physics. Now in Standard Orbit, sir. Welcome, everyone, to Standard Orbit, Trek FM dedicated podcast to the original and new cast of Captain Pike in the Enterprise. I am Ken Tripp. I am Haley Stoddart. And I am Zach Moore. And 55 years ago, as of this recording, when the pilot episode, the first pilot episode of Star Trek Winter Production. It wasn't Captain James Kirk in the center seat of the USS Enterprise. It was Captain Christopher Pike. First brought to life by actor Jeffrey Hunter. Pike has gone on to be portrayed by two, well, t- technically three, other actors and has carved out his own niche in the Star Trek mythos that we're going to discuss this episode of Standard Orbit. So guys, what were your first impressions and memories of Captain Pike? And what, what were your thoughts on the character before his resurgence, if you will, in recent years. And we'll, we'll start with you, Ken. Yeah, my, my first impression was that, um, you know, he he wasn't very captain-like, you know, very... Um, it, and, and it might have been influenced by, you know, all, all, the, all the, the, the feedback that the very first episode got, which is the first pilot, why it had to be redone. You know, very cerebral, boring, kind of self-effacing, not very confident. Um, but you know, at the same time, you know, he was, um, he, he looked very leading manish. I don't know. To, to me, he, because I, I think I was influenced a lot by why the pilot failed. So I, I think, you know, there was some biases in my thoughts when I saw him and I was like, yeah, he's kind of a, a wimpy captain. You know, he, he's not that tough. He's, he, he wasn't James Kirk. Right. And that's who I knew first. And, um, and so that, that kind of influenced my, my thought process. I, I, I never thought of him, which is amazing, as a major iconic figure in Star Trek. You know, he was part of the menagerie. I didn't see the pilot for maybe 10 or 15 years after I became a Star Trek fan. So that's, that's kind of where I, where I was with, um, with Jeffrey Hunter as Captain Pike. Okay. What about you, Haley? So it's really interesting because I have the opposite viewpoint. Um, I can see Ken's point, especially where he grew up watching this before we did. So he obviously didn't get to see the cage at first. But when I watched it, I watched the cage. That's where I started. And I 
was really intrigued by the character and I wanted to know a little bit more as to why, you know, he was tired of being this captain of this crew and tired of sending people on a mission that could end up getting them killed. And I liked some of the other characters as well, but Pike was really intriguing to me. So I really was interested in him and I kind of wanted to know more. And then obviously in the next episode we got, I knew it wasn't going to be Jeffrey Hunter uh, anymore. So I knew we weren't going to have Pike, but I kind of wanted more. And I was really kind of disappointed that I didn't get more of that character. Yeah, as for me, I watched Star Trek at such a young age and all these different orders that I don't really remember like when I saw the Menagerie or when I saw the cage. But you're right, coming to it years later, and you, you kind of know this, as we all did, we kind of know the mythology of, of Star Trek. Well, this was the failed pilot and, and, and like all the like analysis, the compare and contrast about him and Kirk over the years. But but uh, but you're right, Haley, like he was an intriguing character he was very more like internalized you know what i mean he was a lot more picard like than than kirk you know he was a lot more measured and you know seemed older than kirk obviously and kind of like you know a lot more war weary and and mission weary and um you know the, the, but the thing is like we define pike over this one you know this one uh, episode this one story you don't know how it would have played out over, over the years but i liked pike i mean he was a guest star and and you know one two part episode and then they just moved on Right. And before his resurgence, as I said, like that, that's all he was. So, so that so I think we all were, were just intrigued, if nothing else, by by Pike. And, and, and as I mentioned, there are there are three iterations of Pike. Uh, the, the first play by Jeffrey Hunter in the cage. And then, of course, the menagerie in, in stock footage. And, you know, as the character was presented in those episodes and through Hunter's performance, what you guys take on him more is like as, as a leading man and, and a commander. And and could he have carried a weekly show? The same way William Shatner as Kirk did. What, what do you think about that, Haley? Sounds like you would have been really excited to see it. I would have been excited to see it. And I I think he could have. You know, he we're, we're looking at this as kind of a hindsight bias and comparing him against what we see because we get Kirk and we get all of his brashness and his boldness. But I think if they had picked up this pilot and carried on with this crew that we had, I think that Pike would have been a character that I think probably a lot of people could have related to. He was that um, more calm manner, but also clearly very commanding. And I think it just would have been a different atmosphere on the ship um I don't know necessarily if we want to take and say oh could he have been the captain in some of these episodes if they had kept all the so if we had all the episodes that we have in TOS and replaced it with you know Pike even if we had Spock and Sulu and Chekhov and everybody else was the same again it's hindsight bias to say oh I don't think he could do it but I really think it could have pulled off very well it just would have had a different aura and a different air about the show I think it would have been a little bit more serious which I would have appreciated actually well it's interesting to me and I appreciate your 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 take on it Haley because it it gives me a a different point of view to kind of think it through but my my immediate thought was that um, Pike was a redemptive character Uh, he wasn't starting off you know, in a, in a great position, he was tired. He was worn out. Um, you know, he was, he was trying to kind of figure out his purpose and 
you know, we all go through those stages in our lives, but it's not something we necessarily see a lot of in, in characters and commanding officers until Benjamin Sisko. Mm. And, you know, he was a very redemptive character. He was, you know, he was broken. He, he lost his wife. Um, he was trying to find his way. He wasn't sure if he still wanted to be in Starfleet. And so, it, you know, here we had a, a, this is the second time a Star Trek series kind of took off with, you know, the only difference was we saw what occurred uh, to, to Benjamin Sisko to put him, you know, in, in, that, in that frame of mind. We just, we just get the captain's log and we, we see him kind of in the doldrums and the episode kind of perks him up. And, and very similarly, at the end of Emissary, just like we did with um, The Cage, you know, there's this kind of this new leap, you know, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to take this on and, you know, and off we go. So I do think that, yes, he definitely could have uh, taken Star Trek to new heights. I think it would have been different just because William Shatner, it, it, his personality is very different. I think, you know, we, we saw a very dominating, confident captain in Kirk right from the beginning who demonstrated a sense of humor and, you know, eventually we would have seen those attributes in Pike, but it just would have been different. So because Star Trek has done it and has proven the formula can be successful, I'm, I'm sure he could have done it as well. Yeah, that's a great pull talking about Cisco. I hadn't really thought about that before, but he is. I was I was thinking he was more like Picard because I think, he, you know, he says engage a couple times. <laughs> Maybe that's why my mind went there. Pike says engage a couple times in the cage. But yeah, that's, that's a great a redemptive character. That, that That's a good way, good way to, to put it, Kenan. And yeah, as for me, like I can I can see him as the captain in some episodes where, you know, especially early season one where, you know, I've said this before on the podcast, but it really seems like, you know, you, they just crossed out Pike and they wrote Kirk because Kirk is a little more serious, a little more level headed, a little more short with his crew. They're not like his buddies like they are later on. They're there were his officers and that kind of thing. There's that there's that differentiation or division. Uh, him, him and the doctor character, Boyce, again, you cross out Boyce, you write McCoy, right? That's what's going on for a lot of that early first season. Uh, but yeah, I mean, as it goes on, you know, Shatner does become Kirk and Kirk becomes Shatner and the lines really do get blurred as, as everybody kind of finds their, finds their roles. So yeah, I mean, it would have been a different show, but we've seen many different captains over the course of Star Trek. And, and I think you're the one who said it, Ken, you know, uh, uh, he kind of had that kind of that 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 leading man look to him or, or some Jeffrey Hunter more more traditional kind of like Hollywood guy uh of the of the 50s I mean he was a movie star of the 50s and you know I haven't really seen Jeffrey Hunter in a lot of other stuff I saw, I've seen him in King of Kings where he played Jesus and then I saw him in uh The Searchers with John Wayne and and those are kind of his big two claims to fame as as far as I recall have, have you guys seen Jeffrey Hunter and in, in anything else so those are beyond I haven't I have not no just those two and he wasn't he wasn't quote unquote a big movie star then he just happened to be in you know a group of films but i, I don't remember oh you know what jeffrey hunter was in frogman uh, of the navy which um was is the one i own now and he wasn't a major character uh, but it was a great movie so i take that back i, I do remember seeing him in frogman but um that, that that's all i can remember you know it's it's interesting i think that the journey would have been a lot different with um if we had gotten pike but it would have been nice to have seen seen his journey because he's he kind of does have that change to him by the end of the episode in the cage where he kind of seems 
rejuvenated to be captain again and and be doing these missions and whatnot. So, and I kind of equate that to, you know, in Beyond, when Kirk is like, I'm tired of being captain. I I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And you can imagine that anybody who is a captain, if they've been out, you know, exploring space for some time, even if it's just a few years, it would drain on you and you'd be like, I want to go home. I want to be on solid ground for a long period of time. I, I want to do something else. What are the, my other options? And then, you know, some event changes their mind and they realize that, no, this is what they're meant to do. So I think it would have, it would have had a different feel to it, but I really would have, I really would have loved to have seen that at least explored a little bit more, you know, if maybe in like a couple seasons or something, they're like, okay, we're going to change it. Then yeah, but at least like a season of, of Pike would have been nice rather than just an episode. You just got it. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there, okay? okay? We'll get there in a minute. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I kind of, you, you mentioned a change, Haley, and it's interesting. If anybody's familiar with, with Babylon 5, uh, which is a great sci-fi show that like yeah. I rank right up there with Star Trek, they had, they had a, a similar change uh, of the commanding officer. You had the first season, you had Jeffrey Sinclair, who was more like a, a more muted kind of like, you know, not a kind of a cowboy kind of guy, more just like a diplomat kind of level headed, kind mm-hmm. of had a weight around him, a cloud over his head, kind of a chip on his shoulder from his past experiences. He goes through a full season of like this, you know, discovering who he is and kind of coming to terms with everything and whatnot. And then they switch him out for Captain Sheridan, um, who, who was more like a Kirk type. Wasn't a fan at first. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think, you know, it's funny, uh, in Babylon 5 <laughs> tangent here, I know, uh, Haley, you're really familiar with the show. It's like, when you, when you, like, I remember watching it when I was younger, and it was like, oh, cool, okay, this is when the show really starts. Captain Sheridan shows up, and he's like, he's more like a Kirk type. He's kind of like a cowboy, younger guy, fresh face, and uh, mm-hmm. enthusiastic officer. And you're like, yeah, that's what we need. But then, you know, rewatching Babylon 5, like, you know, or even recently I have, and, uh, and I, I really came to love jeffrey sinclair in the first season because and then i really missed it when he was gone i was like oh man he's gone he does come back and they do wrap up his character there's lots of behind the scenes reasons why they made a change there as well so people are interested in that i'm not going to spoil the whole thing for you but go look up Babylon 5 watch it uh it's on amazon prime now if you have that and you can look in the why they made the change but i always think about that with star trek because it's like like you said we got one episode of captain pike what if he had a whole season and and who knows maybe at that point like he would have wanted to left and go do movies or something and then they need to make a change yeah. do, you, do you promote someone do you, do you bring in a new character that kind of thing so it's funny how there's like these parallels between these these sci-fi shows like that i think so that that that's a great kind of like what if star trek did that i kind of see babylon 5 as like okay what if there was more pike and then kirk took over later so but uh, ultimately, as we all know, NBC rejected the cage. Uh, but in an unprecedented move, they asked for a second pilot. Now, because this was unheard of, there was not this was not accounted for in any of the actors' contracts. So, like if they if they went for like a movie of the week, they could have come back. If they went to series, they would have come back. But none of them were contractually obligated to return for a second pilot because it had never been done before. Uh, but ironically, Hunter was the only one the network wanted back. But under the advice of his wife, he declined. Uh, as the story goes, Robert H. Justman says that his wife came in, uh, Mrs. Hunter came in, and she said that he's a movie star and doing this show would not be good for his career. And that was the end of his tenure as the captain of the Enterprise. So, worst career advice ever. What are your thoughts, Ken? What do you think? <laughs> it has to be up there, right? Considering how iconic the show is. 
and how he would have been remembered. Now, you know, the, the tragedy is what he died in 1969. Right. And, um, you know, so, you know, I think that um, had he done the show and it, and it took off in the reruns like it did, it's hard to say if it ever would have had that rebound without that, that leading man attached to it. But I, I think that was pretty bad advice. And it's, it's, um, it's amazing to me. One, you know, there's, there's no rule or law that says he has to um, follow that advice, but I, I do understand the ultimate rule with, you know, happy wife, happy life. I get that. <laughs> um, but, you know, ego is a dangerous thing and um, it, it really is in Hollywood. And, and you've seen that, I, I, you know, I, I think of when now I'm, I'm a little older, I get it, but McLean Stevenson leaving MASH, like, what were you thinking? You know, so he could, <laughs> he had third billing on the top highest rated show in the country, but left it so he could be the top bill of his own show and it died, you know, I mean, six months, whatever. Um, you know, Hollywood is replete with these folks that make these changes, um, you know, or, you know Denise Crosby. Yeah, I mean, Denise Crosby. That, that's the big one, right? <laughs> for for Star Trek yeah. fans, anyway. I mean, yeah. what what do you what do you think? You know, you, you you know, you get you get carried away in in your own ego sometimes, and you know, I, I, that's a very very volatile. Um, being an actor, actress, it's, it's extremely volatile. So for me, yeah, it was really dumb advice. And um, you you know, it's funny. I wonder if if he was a little bit closer with Leonard Nimoy. Because uh, if you've read any of Leonard's books, um, you know, he understood that every paying job in Hollywood was precious and that everything had a certain timeline and a time frame to it. So during his time on Star Trek, he put every dollar away that he could. He went and did every personal appearance he could because he knew fame was fleeting. And of course, you know, it worked out with him. He was, he was a pretty consistent, constant working actor, even after Star Trek. There were some gaps there, but you know, his mindset was exactly the opposite. Take what you can get, you know, and, and, and make, make out of it what you can, because it's such a, a volatile career. So, yeah, I think that was probably the worst advice he, he could have gotten. I could not agree more. I think his, his wife was obviously thinking that, I mean, we can only surmise what she was thinking. I'm wondering if she was thinking this this TV show is not going to be a hit now or ever, and uh, he's going to get more money if he sticks to just movies than if he does this TV show. And and you can't say that they would know what it would become and that it right. would become this thing that it is today, but... I do think that she he should have questioned it and maybe done a few more episodes at least to see, you know, if this was going to be the thing because it it is and it is such a huge thing now and so I yeah, it was not smart. Well, h- hindsight is 2020 and I, I agree with you, Haley. Like, how how could they have known? You know, I mean, this is I mean, you're coming off he was a, you know, a, a decently known movie star right before this. And it's like, well, do I want to keep doing that or do this weird sci-fi show? Which, get your mindset in the 1960s, right? 
it's like TV was t- there there was a there was a line and you had movie stars and you had TV stars right and usually once you kind of and th- this went up to like I swear like the the 90s you know guys it's only until the the last 15 years or so you see like people going back and forth between TVs and movies and there was always like oh well you're just a TV star you know there was that line of delineation between like all right well he's washed up time to do TV with movie stars and and you know and, and as the story goes you know we don't you know we say it was his wife's advice but it's like his wife is the one that came to the studio, watched the pilot with Justin and, and the guys, and and then she's the one that relayed the message. We don't know if like she was so like you know overbearing, you know that she was like I'm going and I'm telling them that you're not doing the show, or maybe he he wanted to tell them no, but he kind of felt bad about it, so he sent his wife instead. We don't know. We will never know, right? Uh, but regardless, you would have thought he would have been down to do the show because I mean, had they picked up the pilot, he would have done the you know the five year deal or whatever the contract would have been. So at some point, he thought it was a good idea. Maybe when he found himself in that plastic cages with guys in weird costumes, he he reconsidered it. The maybe you know, and then you know, just the, as we were talking about off the top, the perceived rejection, the failure of the first show, you know, that might have painted you know his attitude towards it a different way. Because you know, by all accounts, his interviews at the time from with him was very positive. But you know, it, it's press, right? What are you gonna say? Um, but you know, it might interest y'all to know that him and his wife Joan. Uh, they got a divorce in 1967, uh, and then his career really never reached its pre-Star Trek prominence. And then, as you mentioned, Ken, uh, he tragically uh, died uh, a few in 1969. Actually, you hate to play the what-if game, but like, had he stayed on Star Trek, he would not have done and do these other jobs because, as the story goes, like he was injured and like misdiagnosed, like a, an accident, like a, like a film he was doing. And then he had like a, an aneurysm and like fell down the stairs later on, and uh, you know. Uh, afterward and had he been properly diagnosed maybe they could have circumvented that and you don't know right you play this what if game but you hate to say like well if you would have stayed in star trek he might not have the accident you just don't know but it i i you know i it's it's creepily it's eerily creepy that captain pike had this kind of fate you know and then jeffrey hunter had a you know a similar tragic end as well so but yeah that was uh that's just, but you know i wouldn't say that the failure of star trek the cage and him not doing it is why he didn't get back to, to, to superstardom if they ever had it, right, to at least stardom. Because, you know, somehow, that's just how the industry goes sometimes. You know, you get breaks, you don't. And as you were saying, Ken, Leonard Nimoy understood that. And he, was, he was saving away. And, and Jeffrey Hunter, you know, unfortunately, it didn't work out for him. So, No, and William Shatner was living out of his pickup truck right. because he had no money right. after, after the series was over, right? So it, it's, a, it's a tough business. Absolutely. It's a tough business. Well, despite that being the end of Hunter's involvement with Star Trek, that wasn't the end of this iteration of Captain Pike. And you know, and one of the most brilliant moves ever by a television show. And I'm I'm not exaggerating because I'm a Star Trek fan. This is truly a brilliant move. Star Trek was able to repurpose the cage into the two-part The Menagerie in the middle of the first season. And Gene Roddenberry, you know, he actually won an award for this episode, a clip show, right? And so not only is it not only is it a great story, but instead of being a hindrance in quality, see shades of gray for the next generation to use stock footage. The stock footage instead, you know, was it was mythology building and it helped create the first real traces of chronology and, you know, continuity in the Star Trek universe. Cause you had like, okay, well, 13 years ago, 11 years ago, you know, Pike was the captain and Spock was here and these are the sets and they look different and these the old uniforms. And so th- th- this really birthed, you know, the Star Trek timeline, at least from my point of view. Uh, but, you know, the story called for Captain Pike to appear in the, you know, the quote, present day. And for this, they cast Sean Kinney, uh, who looked a lot 
like Jeffrey Hunter, if you see pictures of him. Uh, and so it's always been weird to me that they actually made him look less like Jeffrey Hunter with the disfigured makeup, like the blonde hair and all that. Like if you if you see a picture of Jeffrey Hunter's as Pike and you see a picture of Sean Kinney as Pike and you see a picture of just Sean Kinney like in Star Trek because he goes on to be in a couple episodes, you're like, okay, those two guys are the same. I don't know who this third guy is. But anyway, all that to say, we'll talk more about that in a minute. But if there, was, there, there wasn't too much to his performance, obviously. But what did what did y'all think of Sean Kenny's short but iconic turn as the character? Because that beeping chair has become a very iconic thing in sci-fi. You see, you see things like you know Futurama and, and guys that you know they kind of parody it. You know the beeping chair; it's become an icon of Star Trek. So, so Haley, what what, what did you think of, of Pike in these two episodes? It was interesting to see his character come back and really sad and beautiful and moving at the same time and. I thought that Sean did a fantastic job. I mean, obviously, he doesn't say anything. He beeps. That's it. Uh, But it was kind of a really nice end cap to the story of the cage and the actions that are taken by Spock and everything that goes on. So it was really nice to kind of see that wrapped up to a degree you know but then it left me wondering like where has he been all this time and and where's pike what's he been doing in this time frame since you know obviously he went on so we can we can pause it in our own minds that he went on to to be captain of some other ship maybe and he was doing all these other things and then this accident happens and then he's been in the hospital since and now he wants to go back and be with Vina. And it, so it was really quite powerful, I think. You, you know, as far as Sean Kenny's performance, it's kind of hard to gauge his performance. Uh, I give him a lot of credit uh, for, for wearing all that makeup and, right. yeah. you know, um, you know, ha- having to sit there and, and be quiet. I mean, that, that's, that's, that in itself is a very humbling role. I, I think to your point, Haley, I think what, what Roddenberry and the team did in order to perpetuate the story uh, and, and add the chronology into Star Trek uh, was was damn clever. I mean, the, the way they built that was clever. And, you know, uh, it, it got us to know um, how Spock thinks, his loyalty, um, all of that. And, you know, it, it, if, if you remember, I, I don't really believe Pike, Pike was really excited about taking the journey, you know. Beep, beep. Um, beep, yeah, beep. Spock was... Spock beep, was beep. Uh, Kind of the one who was like, yeah, we're doing this. So, you know, here we go. <laughs> so he, he, he didn't want Spock to get in trouble or anything along those lines. But, right. yeah, I, I don't know. You know, uh, it, it's a tough one, Zach, to really say, you know, how was his performance and all of that. I, I, like I said, I, I really like what they did and I like how they created, I thought, a, um, a wonderful story around it to Haley's point and, and all of that. And, you know, his, his performance was fine. I, you know. That could have been an acting job I might have been able to do, potentially. <laughs> potentially, because I think I would have got the lines right. You know, the beat, cut! It was supposed to be two beats, you idiot. Ah, oh, son of a, you know. But I, I don't know. It, it, was, um, it, was, it was really, it was done well. It was really done well. Well, it shows how much Spock appreciated and really had a good relationship obviously with Pike. We don't get that from the cage really cuz you can't really say that they were super close. Right. 
But obviously they they had a really good relationship that continued on despite the fact that we see Spock and Kirk bond so well. Um, so I, I appreciated that as well as part of this, that just that clearly Spock had an appreciation for Pike. Well, the, the menagerie, you know, it, it makes the cage so much better. Like, I mean, I, 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 I've, I've, as podcasting through Star Trek, as I, I think about Star Trek even, even deeper than I probably used to, and, you know, the cage is, the, you know, if you look at the menagerie, right, the, the cage is kind of extra. The cage isn't really fit because the end of the menagerie kind of copies the end of the cage and they kind of copy and paste it because they, 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 they just fell into how perfect this would be. These aliens that project things that look real. I mean, like they, they couldn't have, they couldn't have planned it better if they tried really Roddenberry uh, with this. And so like, you know, the original end of the cage is they make the duplicate Pike uh, from Vena's memory and, and, and Pike's essence. And he goes off and they live happily ever after. And Pike feels okay. Well, at least she has, you know, she has illusion and you have reality. Right. And then he leaves and, but so, but but in the menagerie, right? They cut that out of the flashbacks, and then that becomes the real ending for Captain Pike. So, it, so the way I see it in like the real timeline, right, is like you know uh, th- that didn't happen. Pike just left, and Vina was there and lonely, but she didn't really have a Pike, and he didn't know about that. And to jump really ahead in the timeline, it's established in Discovery that Pike didn't know about that. So to me, that just reinforces the fact that that's not what happened. So like, you just ignore the cage. It's like an extra alternate kind of episode. And the, and the real events of the cage happen in the menagerie. And then we see that great ending where we see the stock footage of Jeffrey Hunter is, is Pike in his prime going down there with Vina to live their lives together. And it, it couldn't have worked out better. So it's, it's a nice bow at the end of that character. And, and yeah, I mean, that's why we love Pike and, and we're attached to him is because of these two episodes. And like you said, Haley, we don't see any kind of connection between him and these crew really because he's isolated from the crew for most of the episode, you know? Uh, and so, yeah. so this, this defines Pike and recontextualizes the cage is a great episode. So, so anyway, I mean, all that to say that, you know, uh, Sean Kenny, right. He went on to appear as bridge officer uh, in arena and a taste of Armageddon. I believe his name was DePaul. I don't know if they say it on screen, but that's what Memory Alpha told me his name was. Uh, now I never, I never realized this until I started, you know, reading up behind the scenes on the original series because, because he's unrecognizable from Pike because he looks just like Jeffrey Hunter. <laughs> that's why it's so. That, that's why it's just struck me. I'm like, why did you give him like blonde hair and stuff? I guess it's supposed to be radiation kind of made his hair go white. I guess that's the idea. But I always kind of, I thought that was odd that his hair changed. But anyway. As far as I can tell, there was never any attempt to cast Jeffrey Hunter as Pike again uh, for the Menagerie. Like all they did was communicate with, uh, you know, the, the Star Trek people communicate with his agent about like clearing, like you know, they were going to reuse the footage from the cage and making sure all the T's were crossed and I's were dotted and things like that. And and again, it was a smart decision to make Pike, you know, disfigured and disabled because it kind of masks the recasting because because you had to believe that these two Pikes were the same person. Because if he didn't, the story really wouldn't work. And, you know, I, I think for all my get on that blonde hair kind of thing I'm on, right? <laughs> for all that to say, I do think they sold that it was the same character. So now Star Trek 2009, which just celebrated its 10th anniversary release this past week. So here you go. Happy anniversary. Can't believe it's been that long. <laughs> 10 years. Yeah. And we and we only have three movies to show for it. But that's a topic for another time. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but Star Trek 09, you know, it was brilliant in that it was a prequel, a sequel, and a reboot all rolled into one. And because of its place in the chronology of Star Trek, despite the many changes to the timeline uh, that made the story possible, 
Pike was the captain of the Enterprise at this point in the timeline. And that was a great nod to continuity and began what I've been referring to as the resurgence of the character in recent years, kind of brought him in the mainstream. Not, not this like odd bit of trivia. You know who the original captain of the Enterprise was? No, this was the guy who was in charge before Kirk in a major motion picture right, of the Enterprise. And so what did y'all think about the inclusion of Pike as a character and also you know, casting Bruce Greenwood in the role? Did you see, quote-unquote, the original Pike in this new take? Ken, we'll start with you. I, I didn't see the original Pike but I believe that it was still Pike. You know what I mean? The, 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 there wasn't any real physical similarity, but I loved it. I thought it was a, um, a great choice to play Pike. Uh, he was the right age. And um, he, I thought, I thought Greenwood did, did a great job. And I think he brought Pike to a whole new level. I really do. I, I, um, I, again, you know, you, you, the way you introduced it, Zach, kind of answered the question just on that alone. I mean, I can really get into great Pike moments and all that, but just just that question was it was it was it a great choice? Yes. Did they pick the right actor? Yes, yes. Um, and you know, I, I had a tough time seeing the original Pike, but I also saw this one as a more mature Pike. Um, you know, just just in a different stage in his career, and of course, he's he's the captain of the flagship of the Federation, so. Um, his role was different. His place was different. Um, and the timelines obviously, you know, created different circumstances. But uh, I, I thought they hit it out of the park. I, I, I was thrilled that Pike was part of it. And I, I love the way they wrote him into this movie script and the way he carried on even into the next movie. I agree. It, it isn't easy to see some of Jeffrey Hunter uh, his version of Pike in Bruce Greenwood, but I really liked the character yet again. I just, he's very compelling and very interesting and is someone that I could sit there and say, yeah, you know, if, if he's my captain, I'm, I'm going to be confident in myself. I'm going to be confident in my captain. I'm going to be confident in my crew. And that's kind of the persona that he gives off. And I think that's just inherent to the character, no matter who plays him. And, and so I really appreciated him in the, in the movies. And, and I loved how his relationship with Kirk is in this episode. I think he's very much that calm voice that Kirk needs in the chaos that Kirk is in because of what has happened to him but also the chaos that he creates in himself and creates outside of himself and he's very much that compelling character yet again and I just I was really nice glad to see him yeah I mean to your points there Haley Pike, he was like a pseudo father figure to Kirk in the Kelvin timeline, which might have been a little on the nose because he's like, he's the previous captain is the father figure of the new captain. But I understood why they did it you know, for story efficiency. And I, and I did really buy their bond, you know, Bruce Greenwood and Chris Pine. I bought mm-hmm. that bond. And the, the, the it's going to be okay, son, scene where, where he tells Kirk that he's made him his first officer. And because Kirk is really messed up and lost the Enterprise and he's at his he's at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom of the glass, you know, literally. Right. Uh, at the bar there, and um, and that was a great moment, and of course leads into Pike's death, you know, coming up in the, in the next couple scenes. And so, what what did y'all think about how they ended his character? Uh, and and then if there were any kind of standout Pike scenes along the way, because I, I guess you know, regardless of the timeline, right? Pike is he's doomed to a tragic end, unfortunately, because we thought, you know, we thought in the first film he kind of ended in the wheelchair and like, oh, 
okay, they did the wheelchair thing, but it's different because it's a new timeline. But okay, so he's going to have a better life. Uh, now, he does have like a cane in Into Darkness. He has that awesome motion picture Admiral uniform, right? Uh, as we all know, right, Ken? Yes. <laughs> um, I love it. But we thought, oh, he's he's escaped a, a more tragic fate. But we were wrong, and they kill him off in Into Darkness. So, so what, what are your thoughts on that, Haley, the, the way they kind of ended his character? Oh, did they have to? That really hurt. Like, that was so hard to watch. I didn't want to say goodbye to the character because I also like Bruce Greenwood as an actor. Mm-hmm. And and be like, really, do we have to lose him again? Like, But, like, full-on lose him. It's not just he's been injured and now he's going to go off and he's going to be fine because he's going to have this perception that everything's fine and that he's his normal self and can walk and everything. But I understood why they did it um, for that film. But it really was really sad. And it that scene, I cry with it every time. Not just because of saying goodbye to the character that, you know, again, I've just, I've wanted to have more of since day one. But also because of the reaction of Spock and the reaction of Kirk. It's just incredibly tragic. It makes me cry. But I did love that uniform. Oh, I loved it. It's great. We know we know Ken loves that uniform too, right, Ken? Oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah, I do. And um, you know, similar to Haley, but you know, he really created a strong foundation in the O nine film as that as that fatherly figure. And, you know, you asked about quotes and you know, your father was captain of a starship for twelve minutes. He saved eight hundred lives, including your mother's and yours. I dare you to do better, right? And it was just mm-hmm. the way that, you know, I'm not even trying to uh, impersonate it because you can't. The delivery of that line, um, the timing, the cadence, the moment was just so impactful, right? So here's here's a kid who's trying to find himself and he's getting the shock treatment, but it's being delivered in such a way. It's like, I'm going to challenge you and, and I'm, I'm going to show you that you have potential. Because if your father could do this, you know, you, 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 there's something that you could make of your life. So you have something to live up to. And, and to me, it was a very powerful moment that, that fed the rest of that movie. Um, you know, that, that, that they felt that Starfleet has become too conservative. It's not willing to take chances. It, it means people that aren't involved in group think and, and, and are innovative. And, you know, he saw all those attributes in Kirk, uh, you know, jumping into a fight he couldn't win. Craziness. And so to me, yeah, um, you know, they really took this character to a much better level than they did in the in the original uh, series, I thought. I mean, he didn't have, as obviously he didn't make a, a two-hour pilot or an hour-long pilot that was created into a two-hour uh, uh, show. But at the same time, um, every second that he was on screen was impactful, whether it was dramatic, whether it was with humor, whether it was um, arguing, you know, uh, and, and getting ready to be tortured by Nero, all of it, you know, he just, he was, I wouldn't say a scene stealer, but he was just so powerful. And even the dressing down in, in uh, Into Darkness, you know, it was it was just really well done. And I thought they played off each other well. And, and I think you hit it right, Zach. You know, that, that scene in the bar, it's going to be okay, son. I mean, this guy, Bruce Greenwood, has a way, a personality um, that is just, it, it's, very, uh, it's very attractive. It's very um, uh, mentoring-like. And like you said, fatherly. And his death was, oh, 
you know, um, we did a show on drama, uh, you know, a few episodes back mm-hmm. and, you know, we talked about this scene and, oh my goodness, you know, this, this was just a guy, um, you didn't, you didn't want to see die. It, you really didn't. And, um, you know, I, it set the whole film, that whole revenge plot and that anger and everything. So I, I understand it was the tripwire for Kirk to act the way he did. So it was, it was a, it probably an important plot point, but um, if there was a way they could have delivered that impact so that they could have developed that passion within Kirk to go and want to fight and break these rules and all that other stuff. Um, I wish they had found a way because uh, I would have loved to have seen that character return in beyond. And I would have loved to have seen him play the role uh, in, in discovery. Why, why not? I mean, I, it's nothing against that amount. I know we'll get there, but, I, I was like, boy, that would have been a nice continuity bridge right there, too. Yeah, Ken, and let's not forget he has my favorite line of any Star Trek film when he explains that Starfleet is a humanitarian peacekeeping armada, as I often remind you on this podcast. So, I, I don't recall you ever saying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, uh, I, I think we all, I think we all hit the nail on the head there with Bruce Greenwood. I think of, but, you know, he get, kind of gets lost in the shuffle of like all. Well, who's a look at the new Spock and the new Kirk? Well, look at the new Pike. You know, I mean, like he he grounded it with his gravitas and uh, and hey, you know, I didn't realize this at the time because I I have not seen one episode of this show. I think it only lasted one season. But when the United Paramount Network launched in 1995 with Star Trek Voyager, there was a show called Nowhere Man. And Bruce Greenwood was the star of Nowhere Man. And I kind of want to go find it and watch it now. Because I remember, you know, when Voyager started, it was all these Platypus Man, Nowhere Man, like all these other shows that kind of premiered UPN with Voyager. And that was one of them. And it was one of these... I mean, best I could tell was one of these like classic like, man on the run kind of like you know the fugitive or something like that uh, uh, kind of shows, mm-hmm. and uh, I never saw it, but but I I think I might seek it out because I really do enjoy Bruce Greenwood as an actor, and I want to see him in more stuff. Yeah, and he he plays a, he plays a, a good bad guy too. I remember him in Double Jeopardy. I was like, man, he was awful. So uh, I think one of my favorite scenes is when they go to take the Enterprise out of space dock and Sulu's having issues and realizes the parking brakes on <laughs> and and it's Pike who asks him he's like did you turn the parking brake off <laughs> and then he says punch it and I'm just like yes <laughs> I just I love it that's a great point because we go from engage from the original Pike to punch it from the Kelvin Pike to hit it with the Discovery Pike. I feel like, you know, can we just get Punch It? Like, I think Hit It is a little less dignified than Punch It. But brings us to Discovery second season, Anson Mount's turn as the character. Now, I've said this from the jump about Discovery, and I understand actors and timelines and contracts and confusion and brands and all these things, but I agree with you, Ken. I mean, I honestly think for, for the sake of a cohesive whole Star Trek, I do, there is a part of me, and I still wish this, even in retrospect, that they would have kept the Kelvin actors to play the same characters on Discovery. You know, you have Ben Cross as Sarek and Winona Ryder as Amanda. And then, of course, Bruce Greenwood as Pike. I understand that the timelines might have been a little off at this point. They might have been a little older to play him. But we can put some makeup on him and fool that just because it would have brought a sense of familiarity to it. But but that's not the direction they chose to go in. So So be it. Fair enough. Um, they did cast Anson Mount. My only frame of reference for him 
was he did a guest appearance on Smallville back in the day in one episode. He was the the ex-boyfriend of Lex Luthor's fiance at the time, so it was one of those kind of shows. But I always thought he had the look of like an old-school, square-jawed Hollywood actor, kind of the way, same way John Hamm does, you know, and uh, and the same way Jeffrey Hunter did, as we were talking about his kind of old-school looks of the time. And, and so when I heard he was cast in Pike, I could totally see it. I'm like, that guy looks like Jeffrey Hunter. That I could believe that guy is the Jeffrey Hunter character. So what were your thoughts about, one, bringing Pike onto the show, and then, two, the casting of Anson Mount? What do you, what do you think, Ken? Well, I, I, I thought they, they did a good job as far as a lookalike. I agree with you completely. You know, Anson Mount seems to be a, a guy you cheer for. You know, he seems like a really, really nice guy, and I think his personality um, – was that I don't know he he just kind of he pops off the screen I thought he was uh next to Saru probably the most intriguing character on the show I think um I'm probably going to get some bad feedback on this but I can't help myself um I think everything with discovery with the fans you know was very binary you know it was either hyped way beyond reality or hated way beyond what was necessary you know I found very few people that just were like, yep, it's a good show. Um, it hit the mark in some places and it missed in the others. You, you, you just have a very divisive fan base out there. And, and I'm one of those guys in the middle, I guess. You know, it's like, yeah, it's okay. Um, I didn't think it was, you know, the best show to ever air or the best Star Trek series by any means. But they did okay. And I thought Pike's character was good. I, you know, I, I thought that, that he delivered it. I didn't think he had a lot to do most of the time. Um, but when he did, he was he was on. And again, I, you know, taking from the Bruce Greenwood version of Pike, you know, he came in kind of like a mentor and a father figure. And and so they kind of kept that theme going more than just, um, you know, just being the captain of the starship. And, you know, I, I kind of had a struggle with, you know, that, that whole temporary assignment, you know, he goes to a ship that doesn't have a captain, but leaves an active ship that needs one. It was, it was just, it was just kind of an awkward thing. Um, but, you know, we all knew who Pike was uh, and, and Anton Mounted did a, did a really good job. And I really like him and I, I really like what he did with the character. And, you know, I just, I, I you know, there, there weren't for me, like I, I, Bruce Greenwood had more memorable lines, at least to me, than than even um, Anton Hunted, and that's the writer's fault. But he did a good job. He did a good job, and um, I'm glad that they kind of brought it all together. I do, and I I, I would love to meet Anton Mount because I hear he's just nothing but the nicest, kindest guy, and he's he's a big Star Trek fan, and he loves it. And you know what? You cheer for those guys because it's like a dream. If you grew up a fan of something, and then you get to actually play an important iconic character oh my god i mean could you be happier for somebody like that i mean that's it's, it's incredible to me so no, i'm 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 glad he got the role and i think he did a good job with it now Haley, i know you've been waiting to talk about this the whole episode let's hear it no i haven't <laughs> <laughs> just kidding is she still drooling you need some water <laughs> you okay you need a fan i'm I'm good. Um, okay. You know, I didn't know who he was, and um, and so I I was like, all right, I I can be on board with this because 
again, I, I wanted more of this character. And because I found him so compelling with what little we've had. And so I was really excited about this. And I was hoping that we would get more at the time when it was announced. I, we didn't know how much we were going to get. Um, we were kind of told it was just going to be a couple episodes. And then he ends up being there for most of the season, which was really great. I think Anson Mountain did a fantastic job. Like you said, he kind of has that square-jawed old Hollywood look, which is I think fits with the character I think the character has to carry a a presence per, like physically not just by their actions and their words but there's a gravitas to this character I think that we've seen from the portrayals that we've had so far that had to be carried forward and I was really excited about that and I I will happily say I was completely 100% on board with bringing in Pike again and getting more of this character from the very first like little teaser that they put out and I was could not be more excited and I think Anson Mount did a fantastic job yeah so from my point of view I I seriously doubt they ever planned to have Captain Pike and the Enterprise in the second season of Star Trek Discovery, uh, if you go back to like season one, right? Uh, but for ver- various reasons, they chose to go that route with season two, and we'll be talking about that in a couple of upcoming episodes of, of Standard Robe. If you guys are wondering, we have opinions on how they incorporated the original series in Discovery season two. We'll be discussing that. Uh, but that being said, you know he was in the whole season, fourteen episodes. You know Anson Mount now holds the record for the most screen time as the character by far. Really, so is he the definitive Pike for you now? And what were kind of his standout moments of of the season? Uh, And how do you think he gelled, you know, on the show and all that? So, Haley, carry on. (laughs) Yeah, uh, Pike, I think uh, Anson Mount as Pike is is definitely that character for me. And and probably always will be. Um, You know, I, I will say it here. I think I've said it already on another podcast, but... Card's always been my captain, but by golly, Pike has almost beat him. Like, they're tied for me. And I think he, Anson Mount himself kind of talked about how he was in this second stage for Pike. That we've already seen the first act, we've already seen the third act, so we kind of, and but we didn't have that middle. And that's kind of what I was hoping for. I wanted more of this kind of middle of, okay, we've seen the beginning, we've seen his end, but where is he now and what's going on? So I liked that we got that and then it's credit not only to Anson portraying this character, but the writers and everybody, the producers, directors, for giving him kind of these directions. Um, one of my favorites was um, I loved New Eden. That episode I think was really great. It was nice to have an away mission for one, but I think his portrayal in that and his small connection that he made with, gosh, I can't remember the character's name on the planet, Jacob, Jacob, was really well done. And that just kind of shows who this character is, that he's willing to to do some things as long as he feels that it's right and that it's not going to seriously mess things up down the road. And and then if memory serves, I think was 
hands down one of my favorites as well. His portrayal in that, I think everything was done so well in that episode. You really felt all of those connections back to the cage and Jeffrey Hunter's portrayal of, of Pike and his feelings for Vina and you could see that and he was doing that so well and his emoting in that episode was just moving, incredibly moving for me and very powerful. I I couldn't say that there's anything else that stands out for me super well and I will give you guys time to talk because I could gush forever, <laughs> but I really... I loved every single time that he was on screen. Um, I think they gave him humor that I think we would have gotten later on if if they had if Jeffrey Hunter had stayed and and continued being Pike throughout the original series. I think we would have gotten some of these emotions and character depth that we just didn't get, but we got it with Anson Mountain. I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, Haley. Overall, overall, yeah, I I agree with you. Um, you know, another maybe controversial statement, and I'll throw it out there, is that if you gave me a choice to vote as to the next season of Star Trek, and it could either be Star Trek Discovery or a Captain Pike series, I would vote for the Captain Pike series, and I'd steal your phones and vote for it too. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I oh, yeah. just, you I, have, I, you I have my vote, Ken. You have my vote. Yeah. I, I, I liked him, um, you know, more than the rest of the crew. And it's not because he was a familiar character, but it's because he was played so well. And I found him to be a very compelling actor, you know, I mean, a character, excuse me. Um, you know, like I said, I think probably because of that influence in 09, I, I was excited to see Pike and I, I was, I was glad where they brought him. And I still think even though, he could have done a lot more. Um, the writers could have utilized him a lot more. And uh, in, in every scene he was in, kind of like Bruce Greenwood, he, you know, he captured it well, and he had a he had a presence. And uh, I, I thought he was um, the best character on the show. And I think that the show is not going to be better without him. I think it it upped their game having him aboard. Um, I, I really do. I agree with uh, what you said about New Eden. I, I thought that, uh, you know, he, he portrayed some complexity, which is nice. Um, he was a, a man of science and a man of faith. Fascinating to me, you know, how they put it. So mm -hmm. he, he wasn't a, he wasn't just a simple character. And when, you know, he spoke and he was talking through things, there was good reason behind it. So they did a nice job, I think, flushing out that character. Again, you know, I, I think he could have it could have even been stronger if they really just wanted to let it go. But I, I understand you have to um, stick with your original cast and and develop them, you know, to a degree. Uh, and you know, I wouldn't say they executed well there either. But they, you know, for me, um, I, I'd be thrilled uh, if if somehow, some way, we got a Captain Pike series. We drove uh, Star Trek from there. We had the new Picard series. To me, it's almost like what's old is new again. Let let's have fun with it. Um, you know, if we get both, this you know, and we know Discovery's coming back. But if we could get both, and I just don't think they financially could afford to do both, um, that would really you know we'd have our cake and eat it too then. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss him. I'm gonna miss him. And um, you know, I, I can't. Hopefully, he'll be in, in. Did you say he was going to Las Vegas or not? I couldn't remember this year. Yes, he will be. He'll be there. Okay. Um, then I'm going to send you like 50 pictures. I've tasked pictures you with, with going up and talking to him. 
Yes, and I'm seeing just, if he'll do an intro. <laughs> I'll do that. I'll get the intro. I'll send you like tons of pictures of them, you know, walking, <laughs> talking to other people, all that <laughs> other stuff. And then we can insert your face over those people and we can put that on the Trek FM website. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that works. Yeah, as for me, I, I really enjoyed his take on Pike, obviously. I mean, I think, I mean, that's the one universally praised for, for a polarizing show, right? I think he's the one thing that no matter where you sit on the table of Star Trek Discovery on that spectrum, you're like, you know what? Anson Mount did a great job as Pike. You know, I, I will say when he first showed up and they kind of had him like, eh, let's ruffle a few feathers. I was like, well, it's not really Pike. That's kind of Kirk because Pike's more like a sullen, more downtrodden dude. But as we've been saying, like that was one episode of one show. If you, you know, it doesn't, that's a, that's a character like, like event. It's not a character trait, you know? So I think it's, it's perfectly fine. He was still kind of a blank canvas uh, they could play with. And, and I find it interesting that they chose to bring a character like Pike on the show. I, and had, had Bruce Greenwood's Pike not left such a great impression in his two films, I, I doubt that they would have pulled this character because they were going for, hey, remember this guy? He was in Star Trek. You know, that's what they're going for. And they succeeded in this front. Um, as you guys were saying, New Eden, my favorite episode of the season. It really kind of highlighted how he was interesting character, as you said, Ken, a man of faith in science. Uh, and, and that, you know... Like, reconciling those two halves, you know, as a journey that many of us go on. And uh, then I also liked uh, Through the Valley of Shadow. Uh, you know, that was a very, that could have been more Pike. You know, you kept bringing it up, Ken. I do agree. I think they could have done more with Pike. If anything, like, it's like they could have given him, like, a full, like, that could have been, like, a whole Pike adventure, like, that whole episode, right? Because it, it was, like, one of three plots that episode. It could have been, like, one of half. Like, I was on the edge, kind of postcards from the edge of that episode. I feel like they could have left the Burnham and Spock still plot out and just give us more Pike. Uh, now, I mean, the whole I see my future thing, that's, that's I'm really on the fence about that. I love the performance and I love the impact on the character, but I, I don't know if I like the fact that Star Trek has destiny and time crystals now, but that's another discussion for another time. Uh, and then, yeah, where they leave the season, again, we'll talk about this more in upcoming episodes of Standard Orbit. It's like, if you didn't know anything about behind the scenes, what's going on, what's coming next, you would think, okay, Discovery's gone. They're in the future. And now we're going to continue on with Captain Pike and the Enterprise and his adventures. And I don't think one person would have a problem with that, you know, if that was the next show. So it's, 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 they're in a tough pickle because, you know, they brought this guy in and this character and he was so successful. Uh, not to mention Spock, number one, the Enterprise, right? And then that's what people want to see more of. And that's what people are all buzzed about. And then you're like, okay, well, they're gone. We're back to our other characters in, in season three. And you're like, oh, okay. So I think that's a big testament for a guest star to come on. Even though he was an established character, as y'all said, it was, it, you know, it, it's it's really him and his performance that, that catapults it to, to, to caring. And a lot of people like you, Haley, they're like, he's one of my favorite captains, period. Well, and I think that's probably why they, you know, because, I mean, they ended season one, we get the Enterprise. So it kind of ties you to you, what do you do with that? Do you say that for some reason there's some other captain in the interim between, you know, people or something like that? So, of course, it makes sense for them to pull in Pike. And I think that's part of the reason why they did is because we didn't have much of his character outside of the cage and the Menagerie, and then the first two Kelvin films, that was it. And even then, it was just little bits of it. So there really was a whole lot to work with. We can say his character is like this, and he does this, and with this 
piece of information, he would he would do this action off of this. And so I think that's probably why, just because they can say, we can kind of do anything. And that's where I also go with, we could have a Pike series, because obviously there's still time aboard where he is captain of the Enterprise, and we have nothing. So you can't, people can't sit there and argue and say, well, this isn't Star Trek, because yes, it is. It's completely brand new. It's not tied to anything all we have is the cage and then the menagerie and his accident and we have all this time in between where we just don't know anything and they could do anything they want in a trek atmosphere and i think that's what's really made this really great for a lot of people i think that's why a lot of people have really said i know people who are like kirk's always been my captain but now they're like pike is my captain after discovery season two because he really did, I think, pull fans in together. And that's what's really great. And so it's he's a very unifying character. And Anson Mount has portrayed him in such a way that you're like, I would follow him. He, if I was on an away team and he was my captain and he either told me to go or I was going with him, yes. Like, without hesitation. And and so I think that's why we can have this show, not only because there's so much that they could do with this character that would just be completely fresh and new, but you also have a character who has just been portrayed so well and has pulled people in and pulled people together and said, I really want more of this. I think that's what it's also done. I think a lot of people who maybe didn't necessarily care about Pike and didn't want more of Pike are like, I want more of Pike now. So they're like in my camp now. So everybody's come to come to the camp that I've wanted more of Pike since I first watched the episode The Cage. So I'm I'm all down with bringing everybody into Camp Pike. Well, I think that's the key uh, there. And then, Ken, I'll, I'll pass it to you because I think you're going to agree with my sentiment here. What you're saying there, Haley, about having a, you know, a, a blank slate, you know, do whatever you want with Pike, that kind of thing, that's the key. Don't keep revisiting the three or four things we know about him, you know, because I think that was a weakness. Because yeah. it's like, hey, you guys know Taylor's four and the wheelchair and the accident. It's like they just couldn't help themselves. They had to hit all those beats. And I get it, but that's done now. So if we really do get a Pike show, I don't want to see any Telosians or future visions of wheelchairs. I want to just see a, a Starfleet captain going on missions. And so what, what are your thoughts on that, Ken? Well, I'd love to see them go back to a more episodic formula anyway. So, you know, let's, let's contain mm-hmm. some stories. Let's, let's have beginnings and ends. I, I don't need to see these long, long drawn out, you know, mysteries and stories because I think it really traps the writers and it traps the episode. And I think that's, that's the toughest part I'm having with Discovery because neither time did I think the payoff paid off. And um, it's a shame. The other, the other thing was, you know, my favorite character last year was the captain and he's dead. And then they were going to Vulcan, you'll remember, to pick up a new captain. And I was hoping hey, that maybe they found him, you know, maybe they found the good Lorca. And um, I was excited about that. And Jason Isaacs is nowhere to be seen and he's gone. Um, then they pick up a Pike and he kills it, you know, I think carries the show on his shoulder. I, I You know, for me, he was like the, the element that I enjoyed the most uh, mm-hmm. in, in Discovery. And again, you know, now now they're going, what, 900 years in the future? I know it's not a Discovery episode, but I'm like, damn, you know, just just pick it up. Um, 
do some some night, you know, even if they did, you know, four or five shows in between to kind of keep Star Trek all access going for people that have, um, you know, a, a, a connection to the to the network only through Star Trek, which is a high percentage now. The Twilight Zone um, is bringing in twice the viewers of of Discovery, which I thought was interesting. Their, their subscription rates have, really, you know, I, I didn't realize that show was that popular. But wow, it has, it's it's got a pretty big audience. It looks like it's 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 really doing well. Um, but for me, that would be a great way. You want to keep subscribers? If you did one episode a month, a, a Captain Pike episodic show, right? Um, and bridge the gap between when Discovery airs, when the, the Picard series comes on, and all that other stuff. Oh, you know, I mean, I'm 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 too lazy and stupid and and not financially smart enough just to cancel my subscription and pick it back up <laughs> when the show starts up. So it would at least give me a, a reason to remember my damn password because my app gets so old and it's not used uh, to go on and, and watch um, watch the show. But that's I think that's the only way they could afford to do it because they're spending you know they're, they're making I, I think one thing that, that discovery is doing that they could really hurt them is, is they're setting the expectations up and the and the quality of the show is so high and the effects are constant um they might do what really the original series did which was just not be able to contain a budget uh, to to be successful you know it's 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 tough it really is so yeah i wish i wish they uh they would go with the captain pike show and um you know, Haley, I know you were very ambiguous. I couldn't really tell if you really liked him much and if you wanted him to stay. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if Anson Mount listens to this podcast and you get a restraining order. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I hope not. Uh, he was incredibly kind to me when I went up and talked to him last year in Vegas. So, But, you know, to that, I, I wonder if, you know, maybe even if they couldn't budget-wise do a full series – but do something like they're doing with the Picard show where there's even fewer episodes in a season where, you know, it, it's a shorter time frame or, you know, I've posited like a made for TV movie about Pike. Um, you, didn't, you didn't like my once a month episode deal to kind of keep us all hooked on or? No, that'd be too I, I mean, they could you. do it. I, I think that would work. Fans definitely, I think, would tune in for sure. We'd all be sitting. It would be like the longest summer ever, like over and over and over. We'd just have to wait a whole month for another one. I think <laughs> we'd all go a little nuts, um, myself included. But, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways that they could do this. And I don't know if you two are aware. I totally signed this petition um, Anson Mount actually retweeted the petition like a couple weeks ago, I think. Um, there's a petition for a Captain Pike series. And last I looked, I got an email a few days ago. Um, it was almost 30,000 signatures for this. And uh, there was, uh, I think, I, I can't remember who tweeted it, but Anson Mount might have tweeted there was an article. He was at the... Um, a convention in Calgary and up in Canada last week or the week before. And he mentioned that he did an interview and he did talk about that he and Ethan Peck would like to kind of reprise their roles as Pike and Spock um, just because they did enjoy it and, and found fulfillment in it. And I think it's really great. You know, you can mention that he was a fan himself and he 
talked about in Vegas last year that he grew up playing Star Trek with his friends and grew up watching it. And, and that is the nerd dream right there to be a part of something that you love so much. So I'm really hoping that Alex Kurtzman is seeing all of this and listening to to all this buzz about Pike and how much this character has really struck a chord with a lot of fans and and even people maybe who are just watching Discovery and they've never watched anything else that they really have something here and to let it go would I think hurt them more in the long run than you know it would if they picked it up and did something with it yeah they, they should really think about scrapping section 31 and <laughs> I agree. On with that. It's, it's <laughs> I agree. 30,000 signatures really isn't that many. It really isn't that many. I wish, I wish it was more than that. And the, the way you're going to get to win something like that is almost um, to guarantee an X amount of subscribers that you could get in addition. And I think my fear is that it's kind of a closed audience. Yeah. You know, Star Trek mm-hmm. fans are Star Trek fans and it's, it's tough, but that, that's the only way you drive a fourth show. So I think that maybe the ticket would be to replace one you already have planned. Well, guys, it's time for the moment of truth. Talking a lot of Pike over this last hour. But who is your favorite Pike? Oh, man. Yeah, it, we need to give Haley like an hour. She's got to do a lot of math. <laughs> you know, I really am okay because every other week I do this other podcast called Discoville and we talk about Discovery. So I get to gush about Pike at least every other week. So I, I promise... But yeah, it it's Anson Mount for me. Yeah, it's no it's no secret who your favorite Pike is. <laughs> so. No, oh, it's really? Not. <laughs> I thought she was going to do a pro con list and you know <laughs> link up with some satellites up in NASA and do some calculation. No, it was that easy for you. <laughs> Ken, what about you? Who is your favorite Captain Pike? Ah, uh, I, I like, you know, I, I really like Bruce Greenwood and Anson Mount, to be honest with you. I, uh, but for two different reasons, um, you know, uh, Bruce Greenwood, you know, brought the character to life and, and he played a, a different r- a role model. And, and I just thought his, his time was, was so powerful in the limited amount of exposure. But I think the true test of any character's uh, appeal is how they do do over time you know do they grow on you do you get tired of them that type of thing uh and Anson Mount delivered so I I I would guess I would have to say um Anson Mount um probably because he he probably reflected more the original Pike in terms of appearance um and I I thought he took a show that was really struggling and and brought it to a whole a whole new level and I've I, my opinion on that, I know, is not is not the one that a lot of people agree with, but I really think that without this character in there, and if they use this storyline without Pike or whatever, I, I don't think it would have been very appealing. So in my opinion, he really carried the show, and there's a big pull for him to, to continue on, and, and I'd love to see it. So I'll have to say Anson Mount, you know, not for the exact same reasons as Haley, though, but, you know, none of us do. <laughs> Hey, I have a lot of reasons to why he's mine, okay? <laughs> it's not just because he's attractive. I would never insinuate that, that uh, you don't have the intellectual <laughs> capacity to, to, to show that this guy can act. I, you know, hey, it, it is what it is, right? Uh, but honestly, he is a, um, he, he's, he's a damn good pike, and it's a good character. 
and but it wasn't yeah. I, it was not flawless I, I can't say that there was some you know the writers um when you know when he when he said goodbye and at the very end of my friends and then my family I was like I just wanted to throw up I was like come on yeah you know, but <laughs> that, that was, that was like, like, that's not how I wanted to remember him. And I was like, so thankful that they had that final scene on the bridge and all that other stuff, because that was so corny, but the rest of it was very right. good. Well, I'm going to go a little bit against the grain and, uh, I'm going to go with Bruce Greenwood as my favorite Pike. I mean, it, I, I a hundred percent agree with what y'all are saying about Anson Mouda's Pike. Now, if we get that Captain Pike show, I think that would just by default make him my favorite, depending on how they, handle the character. Now I like, I like the limited things I, I did see about Pike, but, but I think, you know, you, you guys both said it best. Like Bruce Greenwood has more memorable scenes in lions and just his two movies. than I think Mount does as Pike in the whole season. And yes, he is a guest character, but he was also the captain. And I know his discoveries like the captain's not the lead character of this show. So it's, it's, it's still trying to find its character focus and whatnot. And, and this is no slight to Anson Mount's Pike. And this is no slight to Jeffrey Hunter's Pike, right? All due respect to him, he originated the character, and he's not even in our top two, you know, bikes here. Uh, but I think the important thing to say here is, like, they're all great, you know. And uh, that's a great, when you have three, you know, basically three actors playing a character over the span of 50 years, you know, decades apart, uh, wildly different experiences and iterations happen to them. Uh, so them all stand out so strongly is a real testament to all those actors and to the writers who create and craft this character. But but I will say the one that kind of like, you know, leaves the biggest impact on me would be the Bruce Greenwood for the relationship with Kirk, for his, you know, strong presence. Because he could have just been like, a, you know, when I heard Pike was going to be in the Star Trek movie, I'm like, oh, this is going to be like a two-scene kind of cameo. He's going to hand off the Enterprise to Captain Kirk. No, it's not that. He was a fully three-dimensional character uh, who really kind of straightened the path of, of Kirk, you know, when he, when he had gone astray. Uh, without a father figure, you know, and I think that's a great message and, and a great mentor figure. So, so I think that that's the kind of capacity that I gravitate toward the most with Pike. And so I'm going with Bruce Greenwood for me, uh, but they're all great. And it's been a lot of fun talking about all the Pikes this episode of Standard Orbit. This is something we kind of look forward to. We're like, okay, when Discovery's over season two, we'll, we'll have our, a full sample size of all the Pikes at this point. And uh, and we'll have a discussion about it. So so guys, if this if this kind of um, encourages you to go revisit all the Pike adventures of Star Trek, it won't take you that long to revisit. I know Star Trek fans love to binge. You can you can watch all of Captain Pike's adventures in like two days if you're really dedicated. So uh, so just go all the way back to the cage to the menagerie, this, the Kelvin timeline films, and Discovery season two, and you'll have a great look at the character. And as we talked about at length, we all hope there is more to come from Captain Pike and his adventures. Well, before you, before you end it, I just wanted, there, there is an analogy that came to my mind and it might be too big of one, but I'd, I'd like your opinions on this. If you look at the timelines from when Star Trek aired to where we are today, is the Captain Pike character, Star Trek's James Bond, you know, different character, different actors playing the role, 55 years, all of that, you know, and for the most part, you know, there, there really wasn't, arguably really a bad James Bond, maybe Lazenby, but you know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying they, they've had pretty good luck over that time span. Again, the scale's a bit different, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? It's an interesting take on it. Um, it could be, I mean, it, I think it all just depends on if we don't get any more 
of Anson Mount's portrayal as Pike, and and we kind of leave it as we've left it now. In a few years, if they wanted to revisit the story and and to continue this uh, constant, not a barrage, that's kind of the wrong word, that's a negative connotation, but if we wanted to continue having Trek on in the years to come, I could see them maybe revisiting it and then maybe bringing on somebody else to portray the character and it could turn out well. I think that also depends on the writing and the directing and everything else involved you know, all about behind the scenes people because, you know, they could turn the character into something that isn't necessarily the portrayal of that I think fans would like to see. But it could work. Yeah, and, you know, recasting is always a tricky thing. I don't much care for recasting. Well, ironically, you know, uh, Savick is famously recast, and the second Savick is my favorite, so I'm just a big contradiction as usual. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, like th- that's that's a good point, Ken. He he's been the one like consistent character who's been recast, and everyone has been a fan of every iteration of Pike. You know, there's not that one like, ah, eh, you know that that second one though. I don't know. You know, they got it right the third time around, but and and then no one truly. I mean, yes, uh, Mount with the screen time, and and then uh, Greenwood with the like public exposure, if you will, on on you know big screen movies, you know. But everybody kind of has their has their niche. Every Pike kind of has his niche and his role, and they don't really kind of overlap or compete with each other as much as, as you know when you got multiple Spocks. I think there's a lot more contention about Zachary Quinto over here, Ethan Peck over there, Leonard Nimoy like, well, you can't compare, and all these things. And and Pike, yeah, he just seemed to be a very malleable, adaptable, recastable character. So yeah, that's a that's a valid comparison, Ken. He the James Bond of Star Trek. There it is. Well, I was just thinking about you know. What character over a span of 55 years has there been, you know, there, I know there's, there's more James Bonds, but four actors, we can't forget for Sean Kenny. Sean Kenny is George, George Lazenby, I guess, but <laughs> it's just one of those things where, you know, <laughs> he is the George Lazenby. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, 55 years, that's an awful long time to keep a character rolling. And I was trying to think, think out, and it, it was just funny because as you were talking about it, um, Zach, I, I was just trying to think you know, how many, how many characters have lived as long now? I mean, we've got, we've got three Spocks now, two Kirks, you know, so it's happening in Star Trek. It definitely is. And it's not just, it's not just Pike, but it's just interesting because he was the first one, right. And it's, it goes back to 1964. So that it just, it was just an interesting thought because I I don't know when the first James Bond movie came out, but it was, I know it was the early 60s. It had to be close to that timeline. That, it was uh, six, 19, 1962 was Dr. No. 1962, yes. Yeah, so I know it was close. And that, that, that was really the kind of the, what, what, other, what other characters spanned this, this length of time with different, different actors and yet carrying the torch. That's, that was my thought. Well, one thing that I kind of wanted to end with before we wrap this up was that, and I don't remember the exact line and I could dig it up, but I'll just kind of paraphrase you know, Adam, Admiral Cornwell says to Pike that, you know, the reason the Enterprise wasn't in the fight with the Klingons is because they wanted to make sure that if the Federation didn't survive, they had the best. And they had, you know, essentially someone who was going to uphold the values and ideals of the Federation. And I don't think that anyone inside of the discovery aspect of Star Trek could be that torch. And I thought that, I think that is just very, 
descriptive of who Pike is and who he's who his character has always been, even though we haven't seen a lot of it, is that person who does hold those values to his heart and and carries those forward. And I thought that that line was probably one of my favorite and how he receives that line is just really incredible. I I had forgotten about that, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting thing to say. And I don't think anybody realized the enterprise was left out of the war, but yeah, that it, it, it did define his character and he was consistent for the next 14 episodes after that was said. That's exactly how he, how he portrayed himself. Everything we saw him do, tracked with everything the way he was described by Cornwell and you you believe that he is this you know and when, when Saru pulled up the list of like you know greatest start fleet captains right I mean Pike was on that list in season one and and you you see why he was when you finally get to meet him uh, again in the discovery uh, time frame as well so so yeah that's a great point he really is you know among Starfleet's best and and we'll see I, I hope we get a continue to get a bigger sample size so we can really start to Compare him to the Kirks and the Cisco's and the Picards and et cetera, et cetera. So, because those are my top three uh, captains, not necessarily in that order. We'll see. So, we'll see if Pike can crack the Mount Rushmore. There's that that fourth spot on the Mount Rushmore of captains is still up for grabs. Okay, you got your Kirk, your Picard, and your Cisco. Who's going to take the fourth spot? Sorry, Janeway and Archer. Uh, Pike has a shot. So, anyway, uh, it's been fun talking about the many iterations of Captain Pike, but that's not the only thing. We're talking about this week on Trek FM. Here's a quick look what else you might have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, literary treks. The, it, it always frustrated me because on, on screen, we saw in depth the Klingon government, the Bajoran government, the Cardassian government, to a lesser extent, the Romulan government. We almost never saw the Federation government. You know, we, we, three, three times we saw a president. Once we saw the council, the council was mentioned any number of times, but we never really saw it. Warp 5. When I go to throw a switch for the first time, you know, a 4,000 amp switch, I got to wear this heavy, thick, padded uniform to make sure that if something went wrong, I don't die. But if I can get some Tholian silk. Yeah, you could look good it'd be like a, doing it at the same time. Right. T-shirt right? and, and jeans and we're good. Maybe some I, I'm just thinking for when I go to Mexico, <laughs> I can have a stylish Tholian silk Mexican Hawaiian or a Hawaiian shirt. I love it. Yeah, because you got to know that that stuff would that that stuff would be light on you. It would look good. It would breathe well. Earl Grey. Yeah, and the odd thing was I really didn't know. And I remember my dad came to me. I was like nine years old. I'm watching TV downstairs in New Jersey, and I'm watching some old James Cagney movie. And James Cagney was, you know in a scene where he was, you know, beating up a bunch of people, like in a barroom brawl. And my dad came downstairs, it was like 10 o'clock at night, and he saw me really watching James Cagney beat up all these guys. And my dad said to me, you really like James Cagney? And I said, yeah, I do. And he goes, do you want to be like James Cagney? And I thought about it, and I said, no, but I want to be those guys he's beating up. (laughs) Melodic tricks. And in this music, you have these soaring horns that introduce the melody and they carry it through. And the sound, because the register is very high, the sound, and because of the nature of the French horn, the sound is very hollow. It's somewhat ghostly and haunting. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe and beyond. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts. If you're an Apple user, Get the show on iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. 
be sure to hit the subscribe button. That helps us out greatly and makes it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you're not an Apple user, we've got you covered as well. You can find our shows on Stitcher, TuneIn, Speaker, SoundCloud, Windows Phone, and of course, you can stream and download the MP3 file from our website and grab the RSS link as well. If you would like to get in touch with us here at Trek FM, you can always find us on trek.fm slash contact and look in the sidebar on the show page. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trek.fm and please leave us a voice message. You can also contact us through Twitter at trek.fm, Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm, and the Babel Conference. Type the Babel Conference, that's B-A-B-E-L, into the search field on Facebook or go to our website at trek.fm and click discussion on the menu bar. Another way you can help us keep all of our shows coming to you each week is to become a patron of the network on Patreon. If you visit patreon.com slash trekfm, that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm, you'll find our current goals and different milestone contribution levels along with all the great perks we have for you. These perks include early access to content, exclusive content, producer credits, seats on our content development team, and more. We really appreciate any support you can give us and hope you'll join the team. Again, you'll find the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. Speaking of Patreon, thank you as always to our associate producers for Standard Orbit. They are Norman C. Lau, Nick Anastasio, Tim Robertson, Richard Marquez, Corey Elrod, and Dan Rhodes. You guys, uh, your, your contributions, your help, your support mean the world to us, and we appreciate you being associate producers on Standard Orbit. So to find me on the interwebs, you can find me on the Babel Conference. I'm there all the time. Or you can find me on Twitter at BostonSCPO. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at MoronZach. That's M-O-O-R-E-O-N-Z-A-C-H. And I'm also the host of my own podcast, Always Holding on the Smallville, where we talk about each and every episode of that young Superman show. You can find us on Twitter at AlwaysMallville with one S. You can find me on Twitter. I am at Trekkie01D. Celebrating Trek Tuesdays. That's tomorrow, everybody. Wear your Trek. Yes, and use the hashtag Trek Tuesday. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and join us again next time here on Trek FM for another episode of Standard Orbit. <laughs>